Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with Ryan Rudenberg, also known as your health craftsman. Yep, I'm glad to be back. I'm so excited. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> we still got to book our, our Tesla test drive, by the way. We do. I'm just Before you, you leave today, we got to do that. I'm blacklisted. I told you. It, yeah, because this, this is going to be our special media content. It will. To, um, so everyone follow us on social media, yep. Twitter, Facebook, yep. YouTube. You're watching this video and you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Yes, subscribe so that when we finally do the Tesla test drive together and the video to yep. see if the cup holders are up to par. To do the and then, drive it. <laughs> And, of course, drive it. But I'm more concerned <laughs> with the cup holders. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the cup holders. Yeah. So today we have a topic that really pertains to both of us me from both a a business owner standpoint and a professional standpoint it pertains to you as a business owner and any other business owner that might be listening yep one that i keep harping on and i probably sound like a broken record but that's okay i'm going to keep talking about it keeping personal and business transactions separated yes so important and we're going to create a whole episode to talk about why that's important, why people should care. And there's lots of reasons. There is. As a bookkeeping company, as an owner of a bookkeeping company, obviously I come at this from a standpoint where the main reason to do it is for tracking purposes. We see a lot of clients that come in our door that for various reasons, have not separated their finances, right? They're either still using their personal bank account as the bank account for the business, or maybe they did get a business bank account, but there's just personal and business flowing in and out of both their personal and business bank accounts. Yep. And any plethora of other ways that things could be commingled. Sometimes it's a multiple businesses and maybe they don't commingle personal with the business but they commingle the businesses with each other so that's another thing that we see a lot this is problematic on many levels and that's why this is important enough to do an entire episode on from the tracking standpoint um how easy is it do you think ryan and you can tell me how you've dealt with this with your business. How easy is it to really understand how your business is doing if everything is commingled? Well, I can tell you from a personal experience, for me, it was almost impossible because, you know, you think that, oh, it'll be easy. You know, I get my paycheck or I get my commission or I get my invoice in and that's going to be the business expense. But the problem comes where, you know, when time goes. Yeah, you can remember yeah. that this week. Right. But in seven months, do you remember what that $300 income was that it was for business, that it wasn't from somebody else, that it wasn't a gift or from another line of work, a side job that you have or any other sources mm -hmm. of income that come in? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's impossible 
to see. And a lot of people, like I'm myself included, I was like, oh, it's no problem. The money's in there. I got to pay my bills. I'll just pay the bills with my account. And whatever's left over, you know, I'll use for, you know, rent or personal stuff. And, you know, that's just all the money that I have to spend anyway. So it's got to go out to all these things. So might as well just keep it all in one pot. So, Ryan, today you're going <laughs> to serve as the example of what not to do. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't always the best. I, I just, yeah, I, I've kind of fumbled through this, and as I've met more and more people, I've started to realize I was making mistakes. <laughs> but that's okay. That's yeah. why we're here to provide this as a resource. Yep. Right. Okay. So, Very at what helpful. point did you realize this is not working? Well, so I started my career in the middle of 2019. So 2019 wasn't a real big problem because I was learning, I was training, I was doing all that stuff. Well, it really became apparent at the end of 2020 when I went to go do my taxes. Ah. And, you know, you're doing your taxes, you're all excited, like I'm going to write off all this stuff. But I didn't really have... I had the general stuff like the software subscriptions that I have for my CRMs and different like Zoom and things like that you have to pay for. Um, but there was so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I network a lot. You go out, you buy coffees, you buy lunches, you buy this, you buy that. I mean, you're, you're traveling, you're driving to networks, you're spending gas on going to places, to going to events, to, you know, all this self-education, and it's it's impossible. So where, where the wall hit me hard is when I was doing my taxes. And I mm. wasn't able to, in my opinion, probably write off as much as I should have been able to because I didn't keep proper track of it. Ah. And so that, that hit me hard with the big tax bill because I am 1099 so I have to pay my own taxes uh-huh like all business owners yep so. absolutely <laughs> yeah and this is certainly where Sucline can help you absolutely. help any business owner with the bookkeeping side of things but even with a bookkeeper or a bookkeeping company handling it if it's all commingled mm-hmm. we're not going to know that the coffee that you had at Starbucks was a networking meeting and not a personal expense, right? So at the end of the day, even if you have a bookkeeping professional, you still have to track it somehow. And what better way to track it than to keep it separated? If you have a personal bank account, personal credit cards, and business bank account, business credit cards, and you're only using business for business expenses, then it's really easy at the end of the year to know what your business expenses actually were. Correct. (laughs) So that is the first tip that I can provide to any business owner. And I don't care if it's a solopreneur situation, if you have an MLM where you're selling makeup, or if you have a big enterprise with many employees, anything on that spectrum, whatever it is, have separate business accounts that are used for only business expenses. Yep. And then at the end of the year, when you're ready to go do your taxes, whether you're doing your own taxes or handing it over to a tax professional, either way, that process is so much simpler because you know everything that flowed through this account, through this credit card, through this bank account is business. Yep. Yeah, and it also helps you, um, you know what uh, what your um, what the income has been for for the business. Absolutely, because you know one of the hard things to to figure out is okay, you're spending all this stuff and and, and you've got all these software subscriptions and this is the money coming in, and you can't really tell your efficiencies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the big things I track is you know how I do with networking because I spend a lot of money running around doing things, meeting people, going to lunches, going to dinners, going to events and stuff like that. And I need to be able to track based on how much time I'm spending doing it, how much money and income I'm bringing. Because 
because of my efforts and then what I'm spending to actually run all that networking, it lets me know if I've got holes in what I'm doing, if I'm spending too much time, you know, getting to know people or socializing and not going, you know, and being more target minded. So it can really help you figure out the processes that you're doing in your day, if you're being effective with them or not. If you're not separating things, you can't tell, um, you know, how well you're doing in a certain part of your business. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that that's good advice because it's essentially a KPI, right? It's it's essentially judging how much ROI am I getting from Mm -hmm. this hopefully income generating yeah. activity. That activity. Um, that's good. So tracking. Tracking is the first reason why keeping these separate yep. is important. But that's also a good segue into auditing, which is what I would say is the second reason to keep this separate. As much as we would all like to avoid getting audited, there are companies that get audited all the time. I mean, the IRS has entire professionals and departments that audit. So it could happen at any given time, no matter how well you do at tracking, no matter how well you do at anything in your business, you still could be subject to an audit. Yep. And it might not be the IRS. I mean, the IRS is the first organization we think of that's going to come audit, but it could be a state um, organization, a state agency. It could be sales tax. It could be um, it could be some kind of other type of compliance that has nothing to do necessarily with taxes, but who needs access to your books for some other type of audit. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different places where you could become subject to an audit and need to provide your financials. Let me ask you a question, actually. Does, if you'd mentioned four or five different assets of where they can look at an, an audit, can one of those audits trigger an IRS audit? So if they find some things that are going wrong, could they say, well, we maybe need to look at this whole thing? It's certainly plausible. Okay. So one little thing that maybe not be a big issue if they're taking a look at it, it could, could cause a bigger problem. turn into a bigger problem. All right. Well, certainly. that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, it could turn into an issue. Um, one thing that comes to mind um, is if you improperly have a what should be a W-2 employee, if you have them improperly categorized that way when they should be a W-2 and they, you have them as a 1099, mm-hmm. and let's say an employee or a friend of that employee reports the company for this, Now, they may be reporting it to a state agency or Department of Labor, but if the Department of Labor gets involved in the situation, they could potentially get the IRS involved into the situation because if you have them earmarked as a 1099, that means you've avoided payroll taxes. Mm -hmm. And the IRS is definitely interested if you have avoided payroll taxes. I'm assuming. So there there are situations like that where... Yeah, you might get in trouble with one agency, but then it triggers another agency to get involved. And nobody wants that. No. (laughs) And either way, you want to have good tracking because here's here's what the IRS and probably any agency is going to do if they're interested in what your income is, which the IRS, of course, is interested in what your income is. They're going to ask for bank statements. All right, so let's say you have commingled everything and your personal and business are all together. 
you hand them your bank statements, which have everything from your W-2 income to your 1099 income to the, you know, $300 that your grandmother gave you for Christmas to the, you know, $500 that your friend paid you to reimburse you for your trip to Cavo or whatever. Mm -hmm. You've got everything in there, right? So you have all these deposits for various things. The IRS until proven otherwise, is going to assume that every deposit that came in is taxable income. You've got It's up to you as the taxpayer to prove otherwise. Well, if you haven't separated it, you have a lot more work on your hands, right? Because yeah. now you've got to prove the $300 that your grandma gave you was actually not taxable income right? You've got to go down a lot of rabbit holes now that you would not have had to go down if you had had a separate business bank account to provide to the IRS with only legitimate taxable business income. Yep. So that is a big reason. But also, the auditor is human, right? And the auditor has a lot of room for professional judgment, the auditor has a spectrum of which how, how much they can make this audit difficult for you or easy for you, right? They could be really tough and stick to the letter of the law in every situation, right? Not give you any room. Or they can be a little bit more lenient and just, you know, kind of take your, your explanations and move on, let's say, right? So there's a spectrum there for how tough they can be on you. If they're seeing that you're pretty disorganized and you haven't separated things, if everything is lumped together, hasn't really been very well tracked, kind of the way you described, mm -hmm. right? There's some things that were deducted. You know, you kind of deduced what you could from what you've done, but there wasn't any real good system and it wasn't separated. Is that, do you think, Ryan, a reason why an auditor might go, hmm, we might need to look at this a little closer? Absolutely. Yes. Like, that's the first thing I think of. That's why I asked the question. It's like, okay, well, if you're a hot mess over here. Yes. What's to say, I mean, this is a <laughs> tiny little thing that you can't even track. You know, what did you do on your taxes and what did you claim that shouldn't be claimed? Right. Or what did you make mistakes on or what did you not file that you should have? Right. Um, so there's just, there's a lot of things and a lot of people are confused. And I know I'm not the only one. Oh, so no, it's, it's definitely not. There's so much that goes into running a business and the finances. It's, I mean, you have to have a professional. It, that's what I'm starting to figure yeah. out very quickly. Well, and I I heard of a, a uh, I watched a video on LinkedIn, a, a tax professional that was talking about two audits that he had gone through. Um, and he was comparing and contrasting the two as an example of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the client that was very organized and everything was very segregated and separated the way it should be versus the client that didn't do that and was disorganized. Um, and he talked about the differences between how those audits went and the one that was very organized and had everything in a binder with tabs and immediately knew the answer to any question because they could immediately refer to the report or the document or the bank statement. Everything was right there, very organized, right? He said that audit went so smoothly and it was over within a half a day. It was done. 
the auditor was good. They felt like their answers were, were or their questions were answered and moved on with life. Everyone moved on. Okay. No, nothing owed. Versus the one that was disorganized, that did not have their documents together, did not have things separated, didn't really know the answer to any question because they didn't have it tracked well. Mm-hmm. That audit ended up going for 18 months. Now, do you think that's just because of the disorganization or do you think it it, it, it angers the person that's doing the audit? I think it, it's both. A little bit of both. I think it's <laughs> both. I think it's yeah. both the fact that we, we don't know the answer to the question because we didn't organize ourselves very well. We mm-hmm. didn't track it well. So obviously on the taxpayer side, there's some of that because now they've got to go try to dig up information. But also I think whoever's the auditor in that situation is going to go through things with a finer tooth comb because they're looking at this taxpayer and going, you don't have a clue what you actually made or what you actually spent. Yep. So we got to go through things a little closer. Yeah, that makes it makes sense. It's because the person that did everything well and every checkpoint that they went to was done perfectly. Chances are that the rest of them right. are probably just as detail right. oriented. Absolutely. So the level of confidence that you can give that auditor that what you actually provided on that tax return was legitimate, the better. But even beyond that. I mean, yes, the professional judgment side, obviously, but you just don't even want to tick these people off. Mm -mm. This is not someone that you want to be upset. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) You do not want them to be annoyed with you. You do not want them rolling their eyes when they see you coming through the door, right? You want their job to be so fun. Mm -hmm. So they don't mess with you. (laughs) (laughs) But also, look at it from this standpoint. Do you really want to give the IRS or any government agency any reason to look at your personal stuff when they don't need to? No, let's just avoid the audit from the beginning. Well, yes, (laughs) but sometimes you can't, Uh right? Even if you've done everything right, you still could get audited, right? But if they're asking to see your business financials, Mm -hmm. why would you want to give them any reason to go poking around your personal? Because that's, that's completely separate, right? So if they start getting into your personal stuff and going, huh, this might need to be audited too. Mm -hmm. Now you've given them reason to to audit your business and your personal. I didn't even think of that. When in reality, you could have just given them all your business stuff and they wouldn't have any reason to touch your personal stuff unless there was something they caught on the business side that affected the personal side. But assuming that you did what you were supposed to do on the business side and you only provided them the the business financials, they would have no reason to look at your personal stuff. Yeah. You're right. So don't give them any reason. We don't need any more reasons. <laughs> we don't need any more. <laughs> so that's my second reason, if I can just put it in a nutshell, because in case you get audited, you want it to be clean. Yep. All right. Then let's talk about liability issues. Okay. Because that really probably is the, I don't know if I'd say the biggest reason, but possibly I mean, really, when I think of the biggest reason, I would think the the thing that gives your business the most, I guess, the biggest risk in terms of what could really hinder your business or even bankrupt your business, right? Certainly tax liability issues 
tax penalties can do that. But what about general legal liability? And that could be much worse. Yes. Somebody could sue your company for millions, maybe even billions of dollars because of what they perceive or actually was some sort of negligence. Mm -hmm. Now, this is why a lot of people go and get an LLC or a corporation set up because it allows for protection from your personal assets. Yep. Right? That's why the LLC and the corporations were created. It's a completely separate entity, and that offers a level of protection to the business owner or owners, because now if someone sues the entity, it's only the entity's assets that are subject to that lawsuit, Mm -hmm. not personal assets. This is also why... Whenever companies are doing their strategic planning, oftentimes they'll have multiple entities set up, multiple LLCs or corporations. You see this a lot in real estate. Every property typically has its own entity that owns it. So you'll, and we see this a lot with our real estate clients in the bookkeeping realm, we'll have to do bookkeeping for multiple LLCs and each LLC only owns one property. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because if there's a landlord or even just somebody walking down the street that falls on your property and gets injured and they decide, I'm going to sue you because you were negligent, mm-hmm. whatever, you didn't, you know, fix your fence or who, whatever it is, now that property has been opened up to possible ramifications, yeah. right? And this this entity now could be subject to having to pay punitive damages for negligence. Well, if all of that business owner's assets are under that one entity, now all of his properties are subject to that, mm-hmm. right? But since it's only one, then that puts a, a smaller ceiling upon what he can lose in that situation. Yeah, I was going to ask that. If, if all the properties are together, they could potentially sue for something more because the assets are available. Right, right. Okay. And so this is why the strategy is put as few assets, especially in a real estate realm, put as few assets in that property as possible because in, in the you know unlikely event, but still possible event that we get sued... There is only one asset that they can go after. Yep. So I'm segueing all this into why do you want to keep things separate? If you set up these entities or even just one entity to protect your personal assets, that gets completely negated if you commingle everything. It is pointless to set up any of these LLCs or corporations if you're going to keep it all commingled. And I mean commingled with your personal or commingled with other entities. Yes. Why? Because now that you've commingled, you're subjecting anything you've commingled, you've subjected now those assets in with the rest. Yes. So this has happened, actually. I pulled some... um, some case studies last night about this, about situations where this has happened, essentially. There there was an entity set up to protect their personal assets, but then whenever they got sued, personal assets came 
into the mix because it was not properly handled. Um, here's a lawsuit here, which I'm not even going to try to say this name, but this was actually a California case. Have you ever heard of uh, the saying called um, piercing the corporate veil? Yes. So that's what this is, essentially. Piercing the corporate veil is basically whenever the judge or jury finds that, you know what? This corporation really is the same as the owner. Or it might be that these entities, multiple entities, are actually just one entity. Yep. And that often happens because of commingled, commingling. So in this case, here it, w- it was a large commercial shopping complex. The contract stated that 84% of the complex would belong to what was known as Villa Pacific Business Company. And then 16% belonged to Gribble, who was the president of a different company. Um, so there's multiple companies and multiple partners involved. Several years later, both companies merged into subsidiaries of the same parent company. Okay, so basically they've got a a shell of a corporation. All of the assets had been liquidated. All of the employees and directors fired. At trial, this guy, Han, his value was more than 100 times that of the corporation. The jury found that the corporation was actually an alter ego of himself, Han, and as a result, he should be liable for the corporation's debts. The public policy behind allowing the courts to pierce his corporate veil was that in a situation where there was so much unity in the ownership and the interest between the company and the owner that the two are not really separate legal entities, and it was not fair for the owner to avoid liability. These same principles apply when the owner of a corporation is another corporation. So whether it be a person or a corporation, these same rules apply. The court noted that there are many situations where a corporate entity is disregarded and a corporation is treated as merely part of a parent corporation. In these cases, it's only equitable that veil piercing be allowed, thus resulting in a failure of an LLC lawsuit protection. So there was no protection there because they found they had done all of this basically consolidation into this shell corporation, but there was no separation between that and the owner. That's where they messed up when they the two companies merged. They didn't keep them separate. They didn't keep things separate, and it became evident that it was, I think, essentially getting funneled to the owner as part of trying to avoid the debt. Yep. So I found this interesting article that was talking about two studies that had been conducted. They were basically trying to get down to what are the scenarios in which the piercing of the corporate veil happens most often? And it was pretty fascinating. Um, This study is called Why Courts Pierce, an empirical study of piercing the corporate veil. So I just highlighted a couple of things in this that were most relevant to what we're talking about. Number one, it says that courts pierce twice as often to hold individual persons liable than they do to hold entities such as corporations and LLCs liable. So 
That was interesting to me. An individual, there are twice as likely to pierce the corporate veil for an individual than for another entity. So that was a little bit of a a highlight for me because I was thinking, hmm, so this might be in your strategy sessions a reason to set up an entity to be an owner of your operating company versus a person. Not to say that it can't happen, but I found that interesting that individuals are twice as likely to get that that corporate veil pierced i i have a a, a response to that because it, it, it and that's that's very very true because in another industry that i worked before you know if there was things that went wrong they would always go after the individual and mm. we started to determine that it was based on the ability to fight it's uh-huh. a lot easier to attack an individual than it is to attack a corporation that maybe have a legal team, yes. a PR team, all of that type of stuff. But when you're a one-man show or a two-man show and you don't have maybe the funds or the ability to fight, that you're an easier target. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense that they would go after an individual yes. versus a corporation. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And then a couple of things also. Um They found that obviously fraud was a big trigger, Um, but also factors reflecting a lack of operational formalities, right? Which one of those things would be separating your finances, as we've touched on at length. But even beyond that, making sure that your operation agreement is in place and you know if if your corporation is one that is required to have meeting notes and things like that all of those things speak to this being an actual place of operate you know operational business and not just an individual Mm -hmm. right so the more things you can put into place to show this is a legitimate business and that you're actually following the actual procedures and documents and filings that your corporation or LLC is required to have, the more you can distinguish yourself as being a legitimate business. Yep. Um, So I thought that was pretty interesting, but definitely keeping your finances segregated is a huge key there. Whenever you're in one of these type of lawsuits and the defense can talk about the fact that you had no distinguish distinguishing between the finances of the business and the finances of the owner. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a huge red flag and a huge substantive piece of evidence for the defense to be able to say the, pier- the the veil needs to be pierced. Yeah, we need to look under the covers. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't even give them that opportunity, because if that piece isn't there, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to pierce the corporate veil. Not to say that it can't happen, but it's going to be a lot more difficult if there was no commingling. Correct. All right. So then beyond that, we've talked about tracking. We've talked about auditing. We've talked about the legal ramifications. I'm also thinking about this from a funding standpoint. Let's say you need to, I mean, it could be something on the personal side where you're needing to refinance your home, or it could be something on the business side where you're trying to get a piece of property, perhaps. Maybe you're trying to get a business loan, a line of credit, whatever the case may be. 
in order to get that loan, you have to provide financials. Yep. Now, how easy is it going to be for you to provide proper financials to this lender if you don't have anything separated? It's going to be impossible. And it's going to be impossible to go back and figure it out right. Exactly. It's impossible. (laughs) You can't. I can't remember what I did two weeks ago, let alone (laughs) six months ago, what a certain charge was. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we've talked about it from the the tax standpoint of needing to prepare your taxes. But what if you need to get funding? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's going to be problematic if nothing has been separated and you can't distinguish what was personal finances versus business finances. And certainly if a lender is looking at you to, to determine your credibility as a borrower, that's not going to go in your favor. That, that's not giving them reassurance that you actually are running a legitimate business and that you're going to pay them back. Yep. <laughs> you know? It would affect your business credit for sure. And that even is a good segue into credibility in general. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly credibility with a lender because you need to have some credibility with that, but credibility in general. And, you know, there's not obviously a whole lot of people that are going to understand what's going on with your finances that most people are not going to know whether or not you separate your business or personal finances. But for anyone that's, that's privy to that information, you're going to build credibility and set yourself apart as a legitimate business, whether that be your employees, whether that be colleagues, whether that be your tax professionals that you're working with, your attorney, there's all kinds of people that will be privy to this information with which you will build credibility by keeping those things separate. Yes, you will. So that's, that's another reason, you know, set yourself apart, build your reputation by showing that I actually take this business seriously. This is not just a side hustle. This is not just a hobby. And even if it is a side hustle or a hobby, you should be doing this. Yes. And then the last thing, last reason I would say is what if you need to get an investor? Which right now, wherever you're at as a business owner, that may not even be remotely on your radar. But you never know when an opportunity may present itself or where an opportunity may come up that you, in your wildest consciousness, did not even think about. Or a situation where your life has changed, where some circumstance has happened that you didn't anticipate, good or bad, but it could be that you've become disabled in some way. Maybe you get cancer. Maybe you have some major horrific life event happened that's caused you now to realize I can't continue in my business the way I have been. And maybe you don't want to sell off your business interests, but maybe bring in an investor that can help pick up the slack while you're dealing with this catastrophic event in your life. It could be any number of reasons where you didn't previously ever think you would need an investor and now you do. So let's just say that were to happen. Now you need to try to woo an investor or maybe an investor is legitimately interested. You're not having to do much wooing, but they still want to see, well, what what's the, going on in your business? Yes. Are you going to want to show them all of your personal assets and bank statements and records? Nope. And if you're not, if you're going to take the time to separate all that for them, how easy is that going to be? to do when you have it all commingled as we talked about earlier with tracking correct 
it's going to be very difficult to provide them any accurate reporting whatsoever for them to understand whether this is a business they truly want to invest in and be a part of if it's all commingled. Yeah. And that's a couple of things that, you know, as I as I go around and talk with people, one of my friends is currently actively looking for investors. And so everything's separated. She can show, you know, the strength of the company and everything yes. that's going. And I'm going through those same things. You're talking about access to capital and either investments or business loans. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be a bad life event or something like that. It could be for new business owners trying to expand and mm-hmm. grow right. your reach. And right, right now, I'm currently not, well, straight, I'm in the process of making all that happen. I mean, you need marketing, you branding, you need new headshots, you need this, you need that. You have all these things you have to do. And a lot of times with small business owners, they don't have a lot of that money coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can show this is my business plan, this is what I'm doing, this is what I've done over the past three years, this is the income that I made, this is what the business does, this is the operating expenses, you can see that I can manage within, but I need a little bit of a bump to take it to the next level. Mm. So if you have all that and all of your accounting done accurately, where they can see everything and everything was separate that you you kept clean books you might have access to capital that maybe a bank wouldn't do maybe it's a personal friend it doesn't even have to be an investor it could be somebody you love mm-hmm. and saying hey mom I need more love show me that I'm just giving you this money and it's not going to nothing so mm-hmm. it could be for a lot of different things so yeah it's it's really important because that's what I'm looking for now is to try and to expand the reach of my business and that could be very helpful for people absolutely yeah so, yeah, so I think I, I can get off my soapbox now. <laughs> and I've, I've done multiple episodes on this topic. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it should be really obvious that I find this to be very important. And you know what? I actually thought of another reason. You're going to pay more for your, your bookkeeping and tax professionals when you commingle. People that have it all together... There is a lot more work involved in basically untangling it. It's like, you know, when you have a ball of Christmas lights, Ryan, have you ever tried <laughs> the to untangle no. Christmas lights? <laughs> New lights every year. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly right. Like, just don't even bother, no. right? Just don't even bother. And that's what it is like from a bookkeeping standpoint. And I'm sure tax professionals would say the same thing, trying to untangle Christmas lights to figure out what is personal, what is business. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the business owner is going to have to do a lot of that work because, again, I'm not going to know if that Starbucks was a legitimate business meeting or if it was just you grabbing Starbucks on your way to work. There's a difference. One's deductible, one's legitimate business expense, one is not. But at the end of the day, only the business owner will know that. And even the business owner, as you talked about, may not remember. (laughs) You say you will, you won't. So that's hugely different from the business owner that has a business account and buys that Starbucks from the business account. So we know, okay, it's in the business account. So it's a business expense. Now, hopefully beyond that, the business owner has kept the receipt and written on the receipt who he met with. Yep. Because if you're audited, you're going to need that. <clears throat> but that's a whole other conversation. I have an old whole envelope <laughs> full of receipts with names on it. Oh, yeah. Well, and even beyond that, scan those suckers in. Take a picture of them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have QuickBooks Online, which is what we use for our clients, 
um, it has the ability in the in the app to snap a photo of that receipt right on there who you met with, snap a photo of it, and it goes straight into your QuickBooks file. Okay. And we as your bookkeepers can attach that receipt to the transaction. So even if you're audited three years from now, we can pull up that transaction and there's the receipt with the name on it right there in the transaction. Okay. And how impressive would that be for your auditor to see I have the receipt and it's not faded. It's not crammed into a, a shoebox somewhere. It's scanned in and attached to the transaction. How organized and impressive do you look? I love organization. <laughs> QuickBooks is amazing. It's an amazing tool for sure. Well, we like it at Secline. That's yeah. what we use. Yeah. So our, our customers that utilize that function, it's amazing. And it makes our jobs easier because we understand what the expense truly is. We know for sure it's a business expense and we have it well documented. Yep. So it makes all the difference. We love those clients. So all that to say is another reason just to wrap it up is it's going to cost you less money. It really will. Okay. Because having to having to weed through that and untangle that Christmas lights, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot more time. And honestly, your 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 tax and your bookkeeping professionals hate it. <laughs> you don't it's, want to go through my shoebox. It's, it's it's not not the shoebox. It's the commingling aspect yeah. of it. It's the the like I said, the lights untangling the lights. It's a frustrating process, and often and and I think the most frustrating part part of it is that we really can't help much because we don't know. Yeah, we don't know which it's like. Untangling the lights, but every five minutes you're having to stop and hand it to someone else and say, you have to do that part, mm -hmm. right? It's just not a fluid process. So it's going to end up costing a lot in the long run. And you're having to pay your professional to weed through these transactions when you went and bought your kid's sneakers at Skechers. You know, you're having to pay them to weed through those transactions that have nothing to do with them or your business. Why would you want to pay for that? No, you wouldn't. So you're going to end up paying in the long run for it. So keep personal and business transactions separated. That is the moral of the story. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Ryan, how can people reach you if they're interested in health insurance? Or well, for health insurance, um, I am your health craftsman. So I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find me under the, the at sign, the title, Your Health Craftsman. Recently, recently launched a new YouTube channel. It's called Your Health Craftsman. I got my three nice. videos on there. So you can take a look at that. Um, I can give you my, my cell phone number. It's 214-551-1761. Um, and my email address is, uh, is uh, 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 yourhealthcraftsman at gmail.com. Nice. Yeah. So also another reason to follow us again is because we will be posting our video one of these days. We haven't got to it to. yet, but we're going to, um, to see how the Tesla cup holders are. <laughs> I even brought my trusty hydro flask that goes with me. That's a different everywhere. color this time. It's a different color. I have multiples. Mm -hmm. I have white, I have black, <laughs> I have pink, but they're all the same size. <laughs> and that's what's important when it comes to cup holders. So 
This this is definitely going with us. Oh, good. So. Well, we have to. <laughs> and I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline. You can find us at Sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com. You can email us at info at Sakline.com. We are here for you. If you have any bookkeeping needs, please contact us. We would be honored to see if we can help. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. By the Books is presented by Sakline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit Sakline.com or email info at Sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.